When Jesus talks about the bread of life and himself as the bread of life, he's, he's pointing us toward what really matters. He's pointing us toward the stuff of life. He's pointing us toward God's love. He's pointing us toward right relationship. He's opening our eyes to the signs of grace all around us. He's trying to get us focused on what really matters. And as we see in this long discourse that we've been hearing now for two or three weeks about the bread of life, we see there are a number of things we tend to do that get in the way of our grasping the importance of what he's saying and seeing the breadth and the depth and the height and the abundance of the grace toward which he's pointing. The first of those comes when the conversation comes up at all after the feeding of the multitudes. They come to Jesus and are still looking for a sign. He's saying, what's with you people? Do you not, do you not get what you've just seen? Thousands of people have been fed. And you come because you want the bread, but, but, but you haven't seen the sign. You haven't seen the love. You haven't been summoned into right relationship. What is, what is your problem? Why is it so difficult? And the people are rather like us. They're saying, but that's all very well about those people getting a miracle, but I want a miracle. It's all very well that so-and-so got healed, but what about my mother or my brother or my cousin or my aunt or me? I want the healing. It's about fairness. It's about just if God would just speak in my ear clearly, then I would believe. And it doesn't matter that someone else said God spoke in my ear clearly. I want to hear it too before I'll believe. And Jesus is saying, no, you've got to look. You've got to see the signs. You've got to see what the signs point to. In John's gospel, there are nine of them. And they, get, they graduate to right to the resurrection where, where Jesus is with Thomas. And he says to Thomas, blessed are you who have seen and believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. He wants us to move even past the signs into the relationship where we see the abundant grace of God. This is difficult. It's particularly difficult for us who live in a society where we value our individualism. It's particularly difficult when we are concerned for justice and fairness, and properly so. Because what's going on here is that a sign is a sign for everybody, regardless of who appears to be the recipient of the grace. I have a friend, some of you have heard me tell of before, a chap called Jack Woodard, who in the early 70s was working for the general church. And he was sent as part of a team to East Africa, where there was talk of great healings and testimony to extraordinary miracles going on on a regular and consistent basis as the Spirit was poured out and he was sent to go and explore this and understand what was going on. And he tells the story of how he was at church after church after church and there were healings and praising and what have you. And it kind of gets to be a bit the same after a while. And not for publication, but true. And, and, he, and so one time he wasn't actually in the middle of the service and he was outside the church. They often don't have walls, and, and so the congregation is gathered um, around, and people are coming and going a little bit. And he saw a woman cradling her infant child who was clearly very close to death. And she was singing and praising God and joining in. And, and at some point, he, through an interpreter, was able to ask her, how can you, your child is dying, how can you sing and praise God like this and join. And she said, in effect, she said, 
I don't think God's going to heal my baby. But you see that little boy over there, and she pointed at a boy of about six or seven who was playing with a ball or something. She said, when he was a baby, God healed him, and we all know it. And what that means, and we all know this too, is that my baby live or dies in God's care because God cares about all babies. Now, I think she got it, and I think that's very hard. It's hard for me, but I think she got it. The sign was a sign of God's love, and in God's love, we can face anything. When we know we are loved, we can be confident. We can take risks. We, can, we are freed to do all kinds of magnificent things, and we can face the good stuff, and we can face the bad stuff, even death, knowing there is nothing more important than that we are loved by God. It's sometimes very hard to see that when we get so focused on the signs, and Jesus runs slap-bang up against that with his own disciples. And then he runs into something else that we do that gets in the way of our perceiving and apprehending and being apprehended by God's love. And that's when he runs up against what he calls the Jews, the Judaizing party in, in John's community, the, the people who, who want things to be as they used to be, the people who hold power and are resisting the new, and they grumble. And grumbling is usually a clue for us that there's something going on that we need to take a look at, and it's probably not the people we're blaming. It's probably us. Grumbling is usually a sign that something's going on that we just don't like much. And nobody asked our permission anyway, and we ought to take a good look at it. And for these people, that was true. They were not bad people. They were people who had perceived God's grace in the story. That's why Jesus keeps talking about this business of manna in the wilderness. You know, that manna was fine, but they died. Look to the bread that gives eternal life. And they're saying, but we, we know the story. And we don't much like what's happening with this new thing, this new thing that's going on, particularly with those Gentiles, incidentally. We know Jesus. What are you doing claiming that you're the bread who came down from heaven? We know your mama. You know, it's, it's like, who are you? And what they're doing is grumbling and grumbling and grumbling and, and holding and allowing their status and their place in society and their knowledge of what's what and their comfort and ability to move into, in and out of relationship and shape events. And they're allowing, they sense that that's threatened somehow. And so, so, so they miss seeing the extraordinary grace that is being poured out, the extraordinary new thing that is happening in Jesus. And, 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 and they miss it. It's another way in which we find ourselves missing the signs is when we are terribly self-protective of our own position, our own stuff, our own feelings, and especially when we know what's right and those people don't, whoever they may be. I was talking with the parents and godparents of these children we were going to baptize yesterday about how a large part of our role and their role in the lives of these children is to help them grow up seeing the world and seeing themselves as God sees the world and as God sees them. And, and how difficult that can be in a world where we get tons and tons of messages that tell us we're valuable when we can consume. And we're saying, no, you're valuable because you're loved. Maybe what they're doing in helping them see the signs is at some point in the future, I know it's hard to imagine, but when the children are at odds with their parents, maybe the 
godparents say, you know, all of those times, day in, day out, when they put food on the table, that was an expression of their love. Don't forget that. Even when you feel at odds, don't forget that you are loved. Or maybe when these children are, are playing, they had a great time playing, playing kings and queens and subjects yesterday, and they really liked being the king and the queen. And they think today they'd like to be the king and the queen again, and preferably tomorrow. In fact, they'd like to permanently be the king and the queen, and, and, and the others can just enjoy their game. Uh, and perhaps that, that's time to teach, well, maybe if, if the king and the queen changes from time to time, then everybody shares in a great deal more joy. It's counterintuitive in a world where we're taught about scarcity, but perhaps, perhaps we can say, if you can just let go of that for a moment, maybe you can all together enjoy the abundance and the grace of God. This is, these are the ways in which we can help one another know and perceive the extraordinary grace of God, the bread of life, the stuff of life, the signs are all around us. It's why, part of why we come around this table every single week to be reminded that we are of infinite value because we are loved by God and that that love is the love God has for everyone whom God has made. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.